I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. The scripture, 11 verses out of the fourth chapter of the book of Matthew. I was going to read out of the Amplified, changed my mind. I'm going to read it out of just the King James. Verse 1, Then was Jesus led of the Spirit unto the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh up, taketh him up unto a holy city, and setteth him upon the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone." And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And uh, verse 7, Amplified, I want to read that again. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written also, You shall not tempt, test thoroughly, or try exceedingly the Lord your God. Isn't that good? Yeah, don't, don't, don't do things just to prove God is on your side. He's on your side all the time. And there may be something that he's trying to, 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 to do in your spirit to get you to do something for him. Verse 8, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Close your Bibles, lay it down, clap your hands, and be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to preach titled tonight, Shallow Promises of a Defeated Devil. Shallow Promises of a Defeated Devil. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to set just a little bit of a, a foundation, if you would. Uh, if you get tired of psycho, psycho babble, you may not want to listen to this, but I'm going to give you a little psycho babble just for a few minutes, a few minutes because uh, the psychological concept of instant gratification, uh, it, it refers to the idea that humans like to have what they want right now and not later. And it is said by psychologists that we are hardwired that way. That, that, that's the way we are. And probably the most uh, obvious evidence of, of this hardwired internal mechanism is the way that humans use credit when they have access to credit. And as a general rule, if a person has access to money, they spend it no matter what the future cost or implications are. We mortgage the future for instant gratification. And we lower our overall quality of life in the process. That's what we do. Now, giving in to the need for instant gratification generally lowers your quality of life. That's what happens to us. We live, and we know that we live in a McDonald's generation where, you know, you get fast food, you get fast products, you take certain kinds of Tylenol for pain, instant pain relief. All of these things, we, we want that, and, and, and it lowers your quality of life. And generally speaking, you're going to notice that, that most of the great things that happen in history... Most of the huge fortunes that were made, most of the huge successes all happen over a period of years. And if you find someone who is really successful, someone that has made a ton of money, who has a lot of influence, uh, maybe owns a lot of real estate or whatever, you will usually find that they earned it or they accomplished it over a long period of time unless, of course, they inherited it or married into it. 
Now, you'll also notice they didn't earn it over a long period of time that they just, excuse me, you also notice that if they didn't earn it over a long period of time and they just get it, they usually figure a way to get rid of it. They usually figure out a way to lose it because their self-image isn't in line and with, with what it t- took to get it, and they didn't know how to get it in the first place. So once they have it, it's immediately taken from them by people who, who have a greater vision. Are you getting with me? I, I said I'm just setting a little bit here. I, I want you to understand that, that you have to look and program yourself to be successful. Now, whether it be in the, in the natural world, in the work world, if you would, or where it be in the spiritual world. And it's critically important that you learn to think in time frames of a year or more and, be, and make a concerted effort every day to pursue your objective. Now, primarily that is all the cycle babble I'm going to give you at this point. But personally, I agree wholeheartedly with that particular portion of cycle babble that I just gave you. And I said all that to get to this point. The glory of now is what Satan offers. The power of now, that's how the devil tempts. Now Jesus, led by the Spirit, in the wilderness for 40 days, he's hungry. When a man is hungry, he wants to eat now. All right? Now. So he said, turn these stones into bread if you're the Son of God. The devil tempts Jesus with satisfaction now, every temptation in this text is all about the glory and the power of now. Eat now. Have glory over the earth now. Show your true sonship now. The devil tempts with the glory and the power of now without any suffering, any anything whatsoever, any kind of, uh, of, of trying and working hard for something. He wants you to have it all now. This church has been working for 50 years to have an apostolic God-given revival that takes us someplace rather than just uh, doing the same old mundane, ordinary things over and over and over again. And I believe in my heart that we've done the suffering, we've put in the time, we've had responsibility, and now is the time for us. Now, it's not instant gratification. we put in the time. There's been people that have died, that have sacrificed, and it's time for this church to have our revival. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you, if you think, well, what, what, what do we have? Well, yeah, it's been good. Uh, but it's not been good enough. I've worked hard for this. I didn't want instant gratification. I didn't want this like, bake me a cake and give it to me in 15 minutes. I've worked hard. What are you saying, Robertson? You've not been humble anymore? No. I'm not. Sometimes you just have to expect something if you've really put in the effort for it. And it's not just me that's put in the effort. There's a lot of them that's gone on to be with the Lord that put in the effort. Uh, look at what he, he dealt with here. So I said This tempting that, that had worked in the past, the devil knew about this. God said to Adam, he said, the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he said, you're going to die. The devil said, you will not die. Notice You'll not die. God knows that when you eat, you'll be able to know good and evil now. 
Now you'll be able to know it. The desire, if there's anything that I believe with all this, if we're hardwired for instant gratification, it came right then. God didn't build that into us. We got it from the devil. And he still uses that today. He still used, that's what prevents churches from going forward because too many people are into instant gratification. And any time that, you know, I, I can do this for the Lord, I can do that, or I can spend that amount of money and, and do something for God or give it to the work of God, whatever it is. But instant gratification, you see something that shines on the store shelf. You see a brand new set of clothes and you come in and now you feel good about yourself. Look what I've got on. I'm looking good right now. I got a brand new tie on. I tied this myself this morning. Wife didn't do it. It's got a little bitty knot. She don't like my little knots. She likes the great big knots. And I'm trying to be in style and have little knots. Well, you don't have a little knot. I'll give you a little knot on your head. <laughs> you know, it's all in that instant, I want it now. And that's the reason I tied my tie this morning. Because I didn't want to wait on her. I wanted it done now. Somebody the other day, I came in, she wasn't with me. She, I never had told her this. She didn't know about it. I'd left a, a, a dry cleaning tag on this coat. And I think it was somebody back in here that found the dry cleaning tag. He's not, somebody came up behind me and pulled it off. And it's so, you know, that is just it's so embarrassing. You know, I really don't care, but I'm supposed to say that for the sake of my wife. It's, I don't really care if it happens or not. But instant gratification. All, all now. Israel was wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They grumbled against Moses and the Lord and said, let us go back to Egypt where there's meat and onions and leeks. All we have here is the manna. Israel was hungry and in their day of tempting sought to go back to slavery in Egypt rather than wait upon the Lord. Israel failed. Israel fell for all fell in Adam's sin. All fell in Adam's sin. And going back, you know, you, you can see that when they ate of the forbidden fruit, they looked at the fruit. God, after they'd ate of it, they touched something, they grasped something that God had not given them. When you grasp something that God doesn't give you, that's where you get in trouble. That's the instant gratification. Did God really want me to have this? Did God really, did I pray about this before I, I jumped in and done something I shouldn't do? Instant gratification is sometimes the a result of you grasping something that God never gave you. And then we, then we worry and we look at what we've done and it's too late to do anything about it. And we have people who ruin their lives because they grasp at something that God had never given them. God help us to understand we don't grab at just everything that comes along. That we need to ask you about it. We need to know what you have involved in this. I want you, God, to let me know that this is what I'm supposed to get. Not because I just want something to satisfy a need in my heart. King David gazed upon a bathing beauty opposite the kingly palace called Bathsheba. And this was to himself. Uriah's wife became David's for a night. David not only committed adultery, but he also murdered while trying to cover his shame. King David wanted a woman now. He got her. David failed. David fell, and the son of David died. For in Adam's sin, all sin and death came to all because... Because he sinned. The devil offers Jesus the glory and the power of now. It's worked before. 
It's happened before. You know, I, I, I did this once before. I, I, I came to, to John Clifford's house, you know, and I, and I, and I, I tempted him, and he gave in. And, and, he, and he bought Brother Robertson a brand new rifle. But that was all right because he gave that away. He bought him a brand new rifle. You know, and, and, and I got him on that one. Now, I'm going to come to his house again and try it one more time. You know what the devil loves to do? If he gets you once, it's easier to find a person who's never sinned than to find a person who's not sinned the same sin twice. It's all easy just to come back and do the same old stuff. Have you ever done the wrong thing twice? You don't have to answer that. We do. We do the same thing over and over and over again. Why? Because it becomes a familiar spirit to us. And the devil knows and understands and he comprehends exactly what it takes for us to do that. Instant gratification. One time, one time. He tried this on Jesus, but it just, just something was wrong here. Something was wrong. Yeah, why wouldn't it work? Why wouldn't now work on Jesus? And I dig, and the devil often tempts the same way. We're, we're Adam's children. We bear his image. We suffer his curse. His original sin is revealed in our actual sin. Following our heart rather than the spirit, the desire to have things and people now to often over, overcomes us. It, it does. It overcomes us. And, and look, at, look at your lives. Don't stop, stop. And we can't look at our neighbors. It's not about him. It's about me. Look at my life. I need to look at my life. What am I doing over and over and over again? We may, we may think it's not a big deal. We may not think it's even sin. But when I continue to do the same thing and it affects me in the future and it affects my walk with God, it affects me and I come to the church and I worry about something that I've done yesterday that I shouldn't have done, something that I purchased, something that I desired so much I had to have it. Let me tell you something. You can, instant gratification can affect you a lifetime can affect you a lifetime. You want food now? Go ahead and eat. We become a gluttonous society. You want sex now? Go ahead and take it. Marriage, family, babies, these all get in the way of sex now. Follow your heart. Do what you want to do. Don't worry about the consequences. You want revenge now? Go ahead and do it. Don't turn the other cheek. Don't forgive. Don't show mercy. So what happens is love begins to grow cold. The Bible says that the love of many shall wax cold. We're living in a generation right now where we've got a lot of cold people out there. We've got a lot of cold people out there. They don't care what they do to one another. It's never been like it is right now. Never. And we're not talking about in one area. We're talking about worldwide. It's never been like this. And if you want glory now... Go ahead and buy it. Let your heart give in to greed. Greed is good. Greed gets you what you want when you want it. If you want children now, don't wait for marriage. Don't wait on God. Doctors will implant you or your girlfriend in vitro. You may even get two or three or four at once and you only have to keep one. Maybe you don't like this preaching. Maybe this is not very evangelistic tonight. Let me take it one step further. Buying something brand new and then coming to church and worshiping because you got something new is just as bad as not worshiping at all. I've seen people do it. 
I've seen people do I've seen people that sit on a pew and you go they go buy a new car and they start worshiping God for the next two weeks until they get the first payment. And then as soon as they start paying that and buying the license and buying all the insurance and everything, they say, God, why did you do this to me? Oh, God, we know it's true. You see, people, the devil and his spirits offer, offer the glory and power of now, the hope of now. You know, okay, maybe the, the maybe of now. You know, it, it can be that as well. So whatever it is you want, if you want it now, the devil promises it now. And if you take it now, take it in in, in way other than, than how the Lord has chosen to give it or not give it to you. You take that choice away from God. I have seen people... I don't mind using Mon and Charles. Mon waited a long time on him, God forbid. But... <laughs> But she did. I mean, that's the greatest example that I can think of. Oh, she, you know, everybody was worried she was getting too old to get married. You know, she was every bit of what, 33, 4, 5, something like that? I, oh, she was 20s. You were 35. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where is she anyway? She's gone. Oh, in the nursery, thank God. <laughs> She, but she waited, and she didn't worry about what everybody else was saying. And God gave it to her. Now, what if she'd taken some of the worst eggheads that come along? There was a lot of them that came along. There's always a couple of eggheads in Pentecost. There's always. And I don't care what your age may be, there's always an egghead that will match your age in Pentecost. There are some males that just come to the church to find females. Yeah. So you've got to be careful. Why? Because so many people want that instant gratification. Then now. I've got to have a husband now. You wait till God gives you the right person. And if you will wait, God will give you the right person. That's a promise. That's a promise. Adam, Israel, David all failed. All fell. All gave in to temptation and sin. And so do we. So do I. Because that's what sin is. It's the taking now what is not yet given to us. It's believing equality with God. Something to be grasped and being arrogant enough to try and take it. You hear what I just said. It's being arrogant enough to try to take something that God is not ready yet to give you. And you, you don't, don't, don't sit back there and tell me, well, how do you know when God wants you to have it? You know in your heart. You know in your heart. You know from the preaching of the Word. And sometimes you can sit across the desk from me and I can tell you. And I have done that. And I've seen people that went against me and they got in a mess. Believe me, God will let you know. It's not something that you have to worry about. But we just don't grasp it and, and, and try to take it when God doesn't want us to have it. Where all failed and fell into temptation and sin, Jesus does not. He does not take the path of now, but he trusts his heavenly Father. He's God incarnate. The man Christ Jesus is what I'm talking about here. He doesn't turn stones into bread when he's hungry. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He doesn't want glory apart from suffering. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. He doesn't want to reveal his sonship apart from the cross. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus doesn't fall for the path of now. He is faithful where Adam failed. He is 
is loyal where Israel fell. He is chaste where even David sinned. He is what king, nation, and forefathers were not. He was holy and he was righteous. Oh, are you with me tonight? That's the one that we serve. That's the one that doesn't take acid gratification. He's the one that sets the example for the church. He's the one that died for the church. He died for you so that you don't have to grab those things that you don't need ahead of your time. I'll give him praise and glory. Therefore, Jesus is not a bread king. He's not a glory king. He's not a king without a cross. Jesus has come to redeem you, to take your place and to fulfill the law in your stead. He is doing right when you have woefully done wrong. Thus, with Jesus, everything is corrected, set aright, restored, redeemed, and reborn. His path is the path of patient, enduring suffering. Before glory comes, there comes suffering. This is the way of the king. This is the way of the kingdom. Jesus will not be, will not be tempted otherwise. He will not go any other way. He will be forever and always faithful to his heavenly Father. To the Spirit of God and to whom He loves. Thus, in faithfulness, He rebukes Satan, not with might and power, nor with angels and archangels, but He rebukes Satan with the Word of God. One, one little word can fail Satan. Are you hearing me? You worry about what the devil's doing in your life? One word knocked him down. One word can fail him. One little word. One little low gossip becomes a rhema of God and it topples him. For in the beginning, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He walked the holy way, the way of suffering, the way of the cross. It is there in the wilderness and there on the cross that He earns for us glory. On the cross, He wins all authority in heaven and on earth. On the cross, He proves Himself the Son of God. Jesus takes your sins. He takes your desires, your wants for the here and now and puts them to death in His death. He takes your infidelities. He takes your adulteries. He takes your gluttony. He takes your pride. He takes your greed, your anger, and your wrath, and your failures, your fallenness and fallenness of all your sins. He takes them, and He bleeds over them, and He takes them, and He deals them a deadly blow. He does it with your sin and death, what neither you nor the devil could copy or mimic. You think serving the devil's great. You think having a time out there in the gutter is something. Wait till you get to understand what my Jesus can do. Wait till God fills you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You wait till you say, oh my God, are you... <laughs> you wait till you see what he can do. <laughs> he takes them all. And he deals him a deadly blow. He does with your sin and death what the devil could never do. He takes your sin in his hands and, he, and nails it to the cross. He crushes it with pierced feet. He crowns it with sweaty blood. He marks it with stripes on his back. He kills it dead, as dead as he himself dies. For Jesus did not consider, he did not consider, and the Bible talks about this, the man Christ Jesus knew that there was that part of him that had to go through the suffering and the pain. He knew that the, the flesh had to die so the spirit could be loosed once and forever. And so when you see him, you see him setting upon the throne. You see Him forever eternal God. You see Him and know that God has come down, become a man, took on the flesh through the Virgin Mary and took all of our nows upon Himself. Yeah. 
dead and buried, Jesus rises on the third day. He rises out of the grave. He does what Satan cannot imagine. Brother Mahaney used to preach a message. So those of you probably, some of you older ones who know who he was, he's dead and gone now. But he was the Jeff Arnold kind of preacher. And he, he preached a message. I don't know if he preached it here or not. I've heard it somewhere. Where he had one of the demons watching Jesus on the cross. And he had a two-way radio into hell. And the devil, and he uses the static noise, you know, and all that. He said, is the Jew still on the cross? And he calls, him, he calls the demon hot stuff, for those of you who treat comics. He said, hot stuff? He said, is the, is the Jew still on the cross? And he said, ah, he's still on the cross. And he goes on and he preaches. And at the end of it, he asked him, he said, is he still in the grave? And he said, uh, uh, I don't see him. And then the demon, the devil starts yelling and screaming. He said, he's down here. He said, he's releasing all these people that are down here. You didn't keep your eyes on him. He's right here now in hell releasing. Do you understand that the devil could not comprehend the fact that Jesus Christ was going to raise himself from the dead. He was going to enter into hell. He was going to preach to those that were in prison in hell. And he was going to release them. That's what you saw walking around up on the earth. They saw the graves open up and the dead. They were going from there into paradise. Paradise itself had been released and went into the heavenlies. It was no longer in the pit of the earth. Do you know that everything that he did, he did for his people when you begin to serve God, when you take on his name and water baptism, you take on you, uh, you're buried with him. You die with him in repentance. It's like this young man did down here a while ago. He died with him in repentance. He's going to be buried with him in water baptism. And when he comes out, he's going to have a heavenly language and God's going to fill him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Music, singers come, be quick. I feel quick tonight. You're baptized in the death. You receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, resurrection power. All your sins, all your sins are washed away. Not just then, not just now, but forevermore. You didn't hear me. No, you didn't. you didn't. You see, we're not capable of living perfect lives within the flesh. And so when Jesus Christ took our sins on the cross, and we embraced Him through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, He not only forgave the past, He forgave the present, and He forgave the future. Because every time I make a mistake, I sin. I come down to the uh, altar or wherever I may be, whatever altar I may decide to make. And I ask Him to forgive me and I'm sincere in my heart. That blood is still applied to me and I'm still forgiven. Don't you sit back there in condemnation allowing the devil to lie to you and tell you that you can no longer be forgiven because you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. God took it. You don't have to worry about the now. You don't have to worry about the instant gratification. But if you mess up, you've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous.
So, by the Spirit's power and through the working of His Word, we endure now even while we wait for God's blessings at His time and His choosing. Did you hear me? We don't try to help Him out. We don't get the instant gratification. We don't grab the now. What do we do? Well, as some young males and young females who want uh, sexual pleasures, they wait for marriage. That's good. Everybody says amen. amen. Wanting children, we wait for God to grant conception or the opportunity to adopt. Wanting vengeance, we turn the other cheek and forgive 70 times 7, granting God the day of vengeance. Whatever it is we want, we are exhorted to be content with what the Lord has given us. Even if it hurts, even if it inconveniences us, even if it's uncomfortable, now, we have now what we need now. And what are you doing, Robertson, now? Well, I now have got the now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. By faith we know that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So I know that if the Word of God can frame worlds, the world I'm standing on now, then He can frame my worlds. He can frame McCormick's Creek Church's world. What are you waiting on? Apostolic revival. I'll take whatever God gives me now. But what are you waiting on? I've got now faith for apostolic revival. I want to see us all to the point where we're not so busy that when 200 people decides God decides He wants to do that, that we're ready for that, they come in, then we're going to be ready to take care of that many people. That's the key. Revival depends not on me, not on anybody up here. It depends on all of us. Every one of us. Whoever hungers and thirsts, let him come. Stand with me if you would. Let him come unto Jesus. Whoever is weary, let him come unto Jesus. Whoever is heavily laden, let him come unto Jesus. Whoever wants now, let him come unto Jesus. Jesus offers us all that we will ever need now right now we don't have to worry about what's going to occur tomorrow we don't have to worry if we're going to be able to keep up with the joneses next door because jesus gives us everything that we will ever need yes there is something that we we have to do yes that we we do have to have a, a responsible actions in our faith we do and that's the problem with a lot of people they're not responsible enough that's the reason a lot of people miss the now because they're not responsible and so they look and they wonder why they can't have what other people other christians are having well it's because of your lack of responsibility what's important to you What's important to me and will always be number one in my life is to see one more person baptized in Jesus' name. One more person. One more person receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what's important. Everybody would just bow your heads, close your eyes. This altar is open. This altar is open. I want you to come. If you know that you have been 
worried about it. Everything is about immediate gratification, and it has been for you. You'd like to see your life change. You'd like to find something great, something greater. Earlier, as I was setting up here, I, I kept feeling, and I, I'm, going to, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I felt that there was five people, and right now I know one, one person's already got a word from God, so there's four, that you have sacrificed your dreams. You've sacrificed your dreams. Now, this may be a little bit off what I preach, but this is what I'm feeling. And as a, as a, as a product of sacrificing your dreams, you have, you, you have done it with such a, a, a spirit and an attitude of love towards God that God would like to give you back your dreams. There's four people that's out there, four people that is out there that you have, you have sacrificed. You've given up your dreams, and you didn't think they'd ever come back. You've not been worried about them. You've not even really thought about it. But now God would like to restore that. And you know who you are because God is speaking to you right now. God is speaking to you right now. Would you, would you come? It's just a matter of, I feel like if you come down here, that God will begin to speak to you and He will tell you what He's going to do and how that He is going to restore some of those things that you have, you have given up and you have done it, you've done it gladly. Would you come? And there's others in here that need to, to, a relationship with God that you've never had it. Your life has always been about, about other things, but yet you have, you have sought God in your mind and in your heart. You have really sought after God. You desired something greater. You wanted something. You wanted something, but you never were quite sure. You heard about apostolic Pentecost people. You thought maybe, you know, that we were just like anybody else, but they're, you're here tonight and you feel something. You, you feel a, a depth. You feel a depth of God, and you know that you would like to have what these other apostolic people are, have. You, you would like to be able to respond to God like you have seen us respond tonight. And you know who you are. You know who you are. I'd like for someone to... Uh, would you take him back, show him for baptism? As he's getting ready to be baptized, I, I, I don't feel a release to, to let go. I feel a release to let go. I know there's some people here that have given up their dreams, and God wants to restore. God is going to restore. But I still feel, I still feel like there's one other person in this congregation that really wants to come down here, but you've just, you're just, you're just, it's just hard for you to step out. It's just very difficult for you to take that step. But if you would do that, how much better you would feel when you came down here. Sometimes taking that step out of a pew is the biggest step you'll ever take in your life. I remember when that happened to me that I don't even remember doing it. I just almost had to force myself to step out of a pew. I remember that. But I don't remember the walk down to the, to, to the altar. I just remember when I got there that God began to do some things in my life that is, I've never forgotten. I've never lost. Would you step out? Would you step out? Would you come? Wouldn't you like to have the fulfillment? Have you taken on His name in water baptism? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Have you received it? Have you spoken in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance? Have you? I'm going to lay this down and I'm going to get ready to go baptize this young man. But this altar will remain open and as they sing... This will remain open, and there's room down here. There's room at these front pews as well. Lord bless you.